Hey, what's up, everybody? You're listening to Cannabis Karaoke, where we ask you to grab the mic and tell your story. Get inside info from today's most interesting cannabis pioneers, and from the first note to the end of the song, listen up as you get to hear the stories of success on Cannabis Karaoke. Welcome to another episode of Cannabis Karaoke. I'm your host, Danny Keith, and uh, we're on day something. I don't remember. Uh, this COVID virus has us all locked up in our houses. Um, I've probably done as much gardening as I'm capable of handling, and I'm starting now on to build that second story in my house, uh, South American style, where I don't need city planners. Just kidding. Not really doing that. But I do have uh, somebody on the line here that is making a difference in this time when we're kind of locked up and we're unable to really get face to face, which in the cannabis space, we know that's a lot of how things are getting done. And so Alex Frost is the canis, the consultant, the founder of brand to buyer virtual summit. And she was one of the founding team members of candescent. And I think the reason I'm excited to talk with her. Yes, it is a, her, uh, is because she's doing something on the back of one of our biggest trade shows being canceled, Hall of Flowers, and she's decided to start her own brand to buyer virtual summit. And uh, I really look forward to hearing more about it. I hope you do as well. Alex, welcome to the show and thank you for taking some time right now. And I know you're probably super busy. Yeah, of course. I'm so happy to be here. It's funny. It's, I am super busy uh, launching this virtual summit last minute but at the same time um when the computer gets closed and um i finish for the day it kind of feels like there's nothing else to do so <laughs> oh good that, i appreciate that i I'm, I'm your second choice to talk to no just kidding <laughs> <laughs> so talk to me a little bit about um you know off air we were talking for a moment about kind of how you had t you were planning on taking a little break from some things in the cannabis space it's a bit hectic um and then all of a sudden you felt a calling to kind of kick off this brand of buyer virtual summit and and based on the fact that you were involved with a brand that i feel uh, whatever you want to say about candescent i still regard them as one of the kind of emerging brands that, that took a stand in a certain position on how they were going to market and sell their product and a, and i feel like much respect should be given to them regardless of how you feel about them in your opinion um what what about causing or I should say, what about providing this solution for brands and people that were going to be attending this show really got you fired up? Because doing a virtual summit, I think, is probably a pretty hard task. Yeah. So first of all, so first of all, I'll, I'll say that um, I, I love Candescent. I was, Me too. A, like you said, I was a founding team member there. Um, and I was there for four years uh, before California went recreational and then right into us becoming one of the number one flower brands in California, launching a second brand. I mean, you know, all, everyone knows the story. And, um, you know, the bright what orange boxes, they're like the Tiffany's of cannabis as far as I'm <laughs> concerned, using that orange. Wouldn't yeah. you say that's like kind of their, like, yeah. their most known for the orange, right? It, yes. And I was in the room when we, um, you know, really picked out actually we went outside to pick out that color um and a bunch of colors that had to do with our brand so i was really there from the beginning from the idea all the way to um you know a 250 person company so you know one of the things that um i love the most about my time at candescent was us launching an idea into the into the marketplace that was innovative that took a lot of guts and that 
you know, we really had to cold call and knock on doors and have dispensary buyers say, cool, what's the strain? And us say, we're not going to tell you. Um, you know, nowadays there's a lot of effect-based uh, companies um, and a lot of marketing around how are you going to feel. And um, that's great now, but I got to tell you, it was, <laughs> we were the first ones, but it was hard. And so, um, you know, just to segue a little into the brand to buyer virtual summit that I'm launching, it feels the same, to be completely honest. It feels like I'm doing something that's a little innovative. It's uh, taking a lot of courage, <laughs> to be completely honest, but um, but it's necessary. So when Hall of Flowers was postponed, um, you know, I'm the kind of person, especially from the environment of Candace, and I have this mind that goes, okay, great, what's next? Great, so like, what are we gonna do? So what's the solution? And I kind of waited around and, and there wasn't one and I'm pretty well connected in the industry. So as I talked to brands, they were really bummed about the fact that they were missing out on the exposure that they were counting on in April, especially before 420, um, especially since it's, it was the first Hall of Flowers to be launched into Southern California. Um, Dude, we had, know, the, were... we had the fattest house rented. Yeah, yeah, with exactly, a pool exactly. and an inside hot tub, and I, I was so looking forward to it. Sorry, uh, I just had to add, like it was. No, that's great. I'm gonna hit you up when they finally reschedule because I didn't have a place booked yet. Oh, <laughs> no. we will take care of you. I promise. <laughs> um, you know, and and I have to say, like a shout out to Hall of Flowers because I cannot imagine being an event producer right now or even an executive at a company and having to make those really hard decisions. Um, and I know, I know it was a hard one for them. And so I felt a lot of empathy to them. I felt a lot of empathy for the brands. I know a lot of, uh, smaller brands or new brands who were just ready to launch. I mean, Hall of Flowers was going to be their actual launch into the market. Um, and they were bummed and, uh, so were buyers. Um, I know a lot of buyers in California too, and they look forward to Hall of Flowers because, they get to do product research. They get to um, get the sampling that they want. They also get to take advantage of show discounts um, and even share their own wealth of knowledge with brands who they admire. And so I was kind of waiting. I waited a couple of days before um, I realized nobody was doing anything. <laughs> so I thought, well, all right, what are the gems here? The gems are that brands get to get in front of buyers. Buyers get to go and talk to brands. Um, you get to ask questions. You get to showcase your product. You get to do show discounts. Uh, you know what? We can still make that happen. So um, I, I knew I only had a couple weeks. I spent probably four or five days trying to find the perfect platform. And I got to tell you, they all, they all tell you they're going to be the perfect platform. And you don't know until you're about three days knee deep into designing your platform to realize it's not going to work. So I finally found the perfect virtual summit platform. Um, I built a website in two days and uh, signed up some brands that I knew about and just launched it. And it's taking a lot of courage, but you know, I just want to, I just want to create a solution and there's no reason that there doesn't need to be a solution. Um, I decided to do it on April 1st and 2nd because that is the days of hollow flowers. So in my mind, I thought, well, I know everyone's available. <laughs> I know your your calendar is free. Um, and April 2nd happens to also be my birthday. So I thought that would be kind of fun. And um, yeah, we're just, we're going for it. Um, 
you know, buyers get to attend for free. I made the, the attendee ticket price is only 15 bucks. It's really nothing to attend. And uh, the price for brands to sign up as well is only a few hundred dollars. I know everyone has their money sitting at Hall of Flowers right now. They're not able to get refunds because it will be postponed. And so I didn't want to make this another hard-hitting thing for bank accounts. I really just want to create a solution, cover overhead, and um, create a little community gathering on the on the first and second. So here we are, brand to buyer virtual summit. <laughs> um, you know, back to real quick your your kind of your comments about candescent and and I'm going to tie it into to the brand to buyer virtual summit sure. is you know you look at you know you look at what candescent set out to do and uh, I don't want to say it was necessarily swimming upstream but like people were not I mean people the cannabis space was just getting its head around THC percentages and CBD yeah. percentages and. God forbid we start learning about terpenes and like realizing that <laughs> THC percentages are not necessarily the driving agent of why something works for you. Um, but Candescent did I'll go a little left of center along with a couple other brands that were going off of the experience. And, you know, as you know, I, my personal background, I came from action sports. And so surfers, you know, knew what they wanted, didn't have to market to them. It was always marketing to the people that were wanting to surf or just wanted to associate with the surf lifestyle. And in, in a similar fashion with cannabis, you know, a lot of people don't like, you know, and I hate to use the moniker soccer moms or soccer dads or whatever, but let's just <laughs> say your average new person to cannabis um, could get their head around an experience yeah. component way easier than they can get their head around the intricities or the chemistry of the plant. And because most people just don't give a shit that much to, to learn enough about the plant. They just want to sleep. They want to have energy. They want to whatever, you know? And so, right. and, and, and I remember when Candescent came out with that, as like I said, there's a small handful of other companies that were trying that approach. And it was met with like so much resistance and so much like doubt and just a lot of shade. That's why I talked about like, whether you love Candescent or not, like they kind of came at things from a different angle. And I feel like, your experience there with that led you, or at least I'm hearing that led you to do something like this, where you're doing stuff that most people like everybody's talking about virtual events, you know what I mean? But, but you jumped on it quick. You jumped on it in a way that was going forward. Like we talked about off air, my whole goal in the cannabis space is to help people and to, to lift each other up. I feel like together we're stronger than we are independently. Um, and yeah. you know, you kind of took this angle of like, all right, like, I picked a date that everybody was already allocated. So there's that emotional connection to that date. And I know how to move people around because I was part of a company that had to move people around early on. And then your connections kind of layer into that. Not saying that it's a home run for you or by any means it's easy. You definitely have more uh, in your favor than you have against you. I guess my question is like, Good job, first of all. That's that's, that's <laughs> fucking amazing how you put this together. Um, but how does that explain to people that are going to be listening to this and and help me understand when you you know when you're talking a virtual summit, how is that taking place for people? How are people communicating with each other? Like, help me walk through the experience of what I'm going to see when I d attend your summit. 
Sure, sure. So um, a lot of people have not attended virtual summits in the past. So they're thinking, what does this even mean? Mm-hmm. Um, the way I like to explain it is actually the way my vision began. It began with Facebook Live. Now, I love Facebook Lives because if anybody's familiar with a Facebook Live, it's the presenter being able to be on a screen. You're actually allowed to add in another presenter so you can have two on the screen if if you need to, a co-host. And then the beauty of it is that unlike a Zoom call where you have everybody's faces and if you're going to attend a virtual summit on a Zoom call, you either are going to have a big X through your name that says you don't have your camera on or you be- you better go in the bathroom and, and, and like put on some makeup and look good because your face is going to be exposed. Facebook Live allows people to just chat in. Um, and so a presenter isn't dealing with other people's microphones and mutes and people's faces and all of that. They really just get to see what people um, are asking, see the engagement, and then respond to what they want to. So the platform that I'm using allows for the exact same experience. So the presenter will have a screen. Um, They'll be presenting live. It gives a really dynamic um, use of throwing up slides. They can even put links in there. Um, Attendees will be in a chat screen, basically. It's basically a chat screen right next to the video presenting. So they'll be able to watch the video. The brand will be live. And then they'll be able to ask questions. Um, They can even go into private chats with the brand. So if a buyer has a specific question that they don't want at all other buyers to see, they'll be able to private chat the brand as well. The cool thing also is that the brand is able to uh, do handouts. So they can basically say, oh, this person and this person, we're going to send them a special link without letting everyone else in the chat screen know. So it's a really smooth, dynamic platform where you're not having to expose your face unless you're one of the brands and you're able to just ask questions and engage, which is the whole thing about Hall of Flowers, right? Is we love the asking the questions. Um, as a brand, we love having people ask us questions because sometimes we are so in it that we don't even know what the feedback is from the market. So we get to have that. As a buyer, we're we're able to ask questions without having to have you sit in line at a vendor day or in the waiting room or come into the office. It takes up a lot of time. Um, And attendees get to just kind of sit back and ask questions if they want and and watch and engage. Um, My favorite thing about the platform, though, is that if you can't make it, let's say you have to, you know, jump on a call or maybe you have someone come in the room and you have a meeting, whatever it is. I, I, I don't expect everyone to be completely free on April 1st and 2nd, but after the presentation's done, it actually publishes it to the page and anybody who's an attendee, a buyer, a brand, they'll be able to access the information for 30 days or more on the platform. So let's say you miss, uh, I have a brand who's actually presenting. It's really cool. Their name is Splash. Um, they were a client of mine. And if you miss Splash's presentation, but you hear about them in two weeks and you kind of remember it was on the virtual summit, you can jump on the virtual summit, watch the whole presentation and get up to speed. So everything is there. It's live, but it's also recorded and it lives past those two days. That's pretty cool. I mean, it, it's, uh, it's definitely taking a page out of the chat room. You know, it reminds, it sounds a little bit like, uh, 
chat roulette, right? Like you can, <laughs> you basically have your ability to communicate with that person without, you know, switching through to somebody else, but you can switch channels if you will. So I'm, I'm understanding that your virtual summit's going to be channelized, if you will, where you yeah, can well, go so, from room to room, right? Uh, that's, that's well, I'm gonna I'm gonna cut you off there. It's I've actually wanted to make sure that it wasn't. Um, I wanted to make sure there was only premium spots, premium focus. So there's only 16 brand spots. Um, I I've been picking them and very curating the experience of which brands I want to be there. For instance, you know, a really big brand in the space that everyone knows about. They have the audience everywhere they don't necessarily need to be on this virtual summit presenting it's the brands who were really 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 counting on the exposure so there's actually only 16 brands and they'll only be presenting at the top of the hour so they're not it's not necessarily channels it's more of a schedule and at the top of every hour will be a new brand and then how is it going to be going so eight brands in a day basically that each have an hour slot Correct. I'm actually giving them, um, they have the hour slot. I'm recommending they only take 15 minutes unless there's more engagement, because let's be honest, not all of us have that much focus. Sure. I don't think anybody's going to sit there for 16 hours and watch everything. So it'll be quick, um, quick presentations. If there's more engagement, they can stay on as long as they want, but really just getting uh, the information out, the objectives that you really wanted to share at Hollow Flowers. And uh, really just, you know, creating a, a focus on your brand. That's an interesting approach, um, you know, because I was trying to figure out as I was looking through everything, like, okay, how is this going to happen? Am I going to just be able to to wing through different brands? So you're taking the approach of you're going to curate 16 slots um, for people to have a 15 to 20 minute 20 minute presentation with obvious Q and a afterwards, which people think that's not a lot of time, but when you start doing a presentation for 15 minutes, it can be quite a bit of time. And then people don't often leave time for Q and a, which I think is really important. And so by having it kind of structured that way, it seems like you'd be surprised how many people would sit for 16 hours and digest everything that you're doing. But at the same time, I, I get it and I respect it. How, how are you, you know, first of all, everything I'm hearing about you, I mean, if people aren't using you as a consultant, um, they should think about it because you got some out of the box ideas and, <laughs> and you have the ability to activate, which is the combination of those two don't always work together so well, but how are you curating these spots? Like what, I mean, cause part of you can't want to be so obscure that the brands you're bringing on are so young or so immature in their reach that, that they don't, they don't bring anybody along. You've got to have some anchors. I mean, how are you, how are you making those decisions? Those are hard ones. Yeah. You know, um, that's, it's a hard question to answer because this is kind of part of my expertise is that I, I, I've been in the industry long enough. I've been involved long enough to be able to see a brand and say, you know, uh, like maybe you, you should rethink a couple things or, Hey, you've got a really good idea. Um, so there's a little bit of the innovation aspect that I am looking for. Um, I'm also looking for, um, you know, there's certain things that buyers are looking for. They're looking for supply is going to be a huge thing in April, right? So right now they're estimating that, right, I'm calling it like the Corona cannabis sales. <laughs> they are skyrocketing. Some dispensaries are up 100% or more to 200%. Um, and then in the same period of time, we're also going to have 420. 
Um, what consumers out there in the world don't know, but industry people do, is that supply and demand can be like a really difficult thing to wade through. So brands who can answer the question of supply is important for me. Brands that have something to tell the industry. Um, right now, I'm I'm talking to, to Cushy Punch. Everyone knows the history with Cushy Punch, and they're coming back into the market. So they might be one of the brands. They have something to say coming back into the marketplace. Um, brands that are just launching into the market but that I think are going to do well. Um, you know, it's a number of things, but I go back to my deeper why. And I, I've been doing this since I got into the industry is just figuring out and, and coming back to always what is the deeper why. And this is a question I also ask brands that I'm consulting for. It's one of the first things I ask, why are you here? Why did you build this? Um, and what it comes down to for me with the brand to buyer virtual summit, I mean, this thing is, it, it's a huge beast for me to take on. It's a lot of time. Um, it's not a huge revenue generator, but my why is that I just want to help and I want to make it a win-win. So is it a win-win for the brand and the buyer? Is it a win-win for the attendees? That's what I'm looking for. And I can tell intuitively when I talk to a brand and get them signed up, whether I think that that's going to happen or not. Man, I hope people are taking note of this stuff because, and look, I, I've, I've been around the sun a few times and, you know, I, I consult as well. And, um, I always tell people consulting is a really wonderful job to have, um, because you can only direct people what they should do, but they don't always follow through on what you direct them to do. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. so you get to take this position. You don't have to, your wins and losses are really not dependent on whether or not you can activate those. It's really about the people that you bring in. And, and I think doing consulting work, if you're going to be a good consultant, um, I really appreciate how you, your why is really, a, is not about, can I make this a successful event for myself? But your why is, is it a win-win for the buyers and the brands? Because so many times when people make an investment into something, and this I think for me is, and I don't rarely kind of be poignant. It's really usually about you, but I think, for for me, when I when I see people attempting to do business and their why isn't straight or what their what their vision of the outcome to be isn't, you know, it, it's so easy to to just be misaligned on what you're trying to accomplish. And but if you go at it like you're going at it, you're inevitably going to have success on the back end because your focus isn't on what you're trying to accomplish for yourself. It's about what you're trying to accomplish and help other people to accomplish. And that is so refreshing to hear because most people, you know, when I talk to them about things, it's all about what, and it's no offense to anybody. This is how most people think. It's a rare person like yourself that thinks differently. How can I make this the best thing for me? Not yeah. like what is everybody else going to be getting out of this? And I think, um, you know, already what I've heard is changed my perspective about what you're trying to accomplish and how you're going to accomplish it. Like we all know, that that first hall of flowers, we were all event fatigued, you know, in the space. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And when the first yeah. hall of flowers was coming up and you're like, really Sonoma, I'm going back to Sonoma <laughs> for an event. Like I already did that with, I do that once a year with Emerald cup, which those are my boys. Like we, and good people there, Hazel, Chad, Tim Blake, Taylor, all of them are phenomenal. Right. But I was thinking like, I am not going back to Sonoma for any event. And then of course I did because that's <laughs> what we do. And I was, I was blown away and it was the first event that I felt I went to that was like, okay, these people are really focused on the outcome for the brands and buyers. And, yeah. and yeah. you are taking that same approach with, 
And it's really, it's an easy one to take, but it's disciplined, right? Because it's not the easiest way to do it. It's an easy way to look at it, but to do it is probably like climbing the face of a mountain. So I think that what you're putting together and how you're putting that together for people will lead to your inevitable success. I want to talk a little bit about Cushy Punch because people, they were one of our, you know, I worked with Cushy Punch from the very beginning um, when they came out and they were really good. They're a marketing machine. They had the best little short commercials. Um, They stayed relevant on holidays. They were, they seemed to be like on, on the right path to success. And then they got busted. Um, and what most people don't understand is like the regulations in California are so stringent and so gnarly that, that like, not to say that what they did was justified, but a lot of brands are doing that, that people don't know about. They just happen to get caught. And so what is it like for a brand like that? Who literally was on top of the heap? What kind of, if you can share, if you can't, I'm fine with moving on, but like, how is Cushy Punch rebuilding themselves? Cause I heard they were coming back on the market late. 2019 and the end of the quarter, they were, people were saying they were coming back and now I'm hearing this and you've just confirmed it. What are those conversations like? And, and what is, what do you, as from a consultant's point of view, feel Cushy Punts needs to do in order to recapture that market and regain brand confidence with them? Yeah. So, um, I, I don't, I don't know if this is necessary to mention, but I will say that as a consultant, um, one of the most important things for me is to be able to help as many brands as possible. Um, and what happens is that I talk to a lot of brands and I have to get in pretty deep about what's going on on the inside. So I always, every single time I talk to a potential client or even just a new contact at a new brand, um, offer an NDA. So, um, you know, there's stuff I, I just want everyone to always feel secure and know that, you know, I, I got you. <laughs> so there's not a ton that I would feel comfortable sharing, but I, I will say that, you know, I went into the conversation with Cushy Punch when I first met them a couple months ago, um, going like, all right, come on, tell me, like, 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 tell me what, tell me what's up. Tell me how you're coming back into the market what really happened, um, you know, what changes are happening. Um, and uh, what I can say is I left that conversation with a really tight relationship with, um, with the CEO, um, with the new CEO, and with a really good understanding of their integrity. And I'll say integrity and transparency are my two highest values. And they, they fall under that category. And so You know, the other thing I've been really thinking about is that there's a big difference between industry knowledge and consumer knowledge. Consumers have no idea about the whole Cushy Punch thing. They don't know. They don't care. They just know that they had a brand they loved. It was off the shelf for a while, and now it's back. So, um, you know, as a brand, I think you have a responsibility to your consumers, and you also have a responsibility to play by the rules and to make sure you have good connections and relationships and, um, you know, that your reputation is upheld and is true in the industry. It's two really big balancing acts, and I think they're doing a really good job of both of those. So um, I really give it up to them, and I I went in a little questioning i really did <laughs> but um i just think that you know if you i'm right re- i'm so excited for them to share their story and do some kind of campaign to really let the industry people know um you know their changes um i think that that it's something to keep your eye out for for sure 
You know, it's interesting because this, you know, a lot of stuff going on with this coronavirus, COVID-19 and, you know, people like yourself uh, being inspired to, to kind of provide a solution for the industry to keep things relevant, to keep things moving along. But it's also great cover. You know, I tell people all the time, like, they're like, oh, my gosh, I lost my job or I'm doing this, I'm doing that. And I go, well, let's I try to always look at things like from the glass half full versus glass half empty perspective. And, you know, this opportunity with what we have going on right now is kind of giving everybody a reset. I, I always liken it to the the relationship you had when you were in like maybe junior high or high school and that 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 little school crush or love that you had with another person and then oh my gosh that person has to move all the way across the country and of course when you're at that <laughs> age you can't really like pursue that long-term relationship or long-distance relationship so you got to just be like okay with things kind of yeah. end ending right and I look at yeah. this uh I look at what's happening right now with COVID and and talking to people and and listening to their stories that that this is an opportunity for all of us to kind of take a reset and maybe come out on the other end, not to say we're doing a wardrobe change and coming out differently, but, but, but that we're able to kind of take a pause. Right. And so companies yeah. like yeah. Cushy Punch are going to have a chance to reestablish themselves because when the markets, when everything truly gets back to normal, which might be months from now, they stand an equal footing chance with the consumer as, as they would with a brand that never stopped. Would you say? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. And, and I think it's just important that as consumers, as industry professionals, as people who are taking part in uh, this industry being birthed and growing, I mean, we're still in infancy stage, so we're all part of it. We're all like, we are all responsible for this industry. Um, You know, uh, so the two things that I tell every brand that I'm working with, one is, uh, by the way, go to Hall of Flowers. (laughs) as you were saying earlier, like, I think it's the number one thing that you can do as an industry professional. Now, number two goes back to what we're talking about, which is um, ask yourself what your deeper why is. And also ask your company, what is their deeper why? You go in for an interview, ask them, why are they here? When you want to go consume um, a new product, try to figure out why are they here? Go to their website. Um, You know, this industry has a lot of opportunity to end up in the wrong hands. It has a lot of opportunity to end up in the right hands. And if we're not asking ourselves and everyone else in the industry, what their deeper why is, we're going to miss the mark. So right now, when everyone's sitting at home, you know, anyone who's listening, you're sitting at home, you're an industry professional, just take a moment, like make it a journaling exercise. What's your deeper why? Why are you here? Um, I've worked with brands in the past where I do brand identity workshops and, I start with, you know, what's your why? And, you know, they may say something like, you know, oh, I know there's a lot of money in the cannabis industry. And so that's why I wanted to get in it. And I'm like, no, <laughs> that's not going to, that's not going to work. That's your outcome. That's not your why. Yeah, yeah. 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 And so I talk to them a little bit more because I say this to everyone. Listen, we could all be making more and working less in some other industry. So your why matters so much. It's why you're hustling. It's why you're here. It's why we all have our blood, sweat, and tears. It's why we all really love Hall of Flowers because we all get to be around each other and it feels like it pays off. Um, So, you know, I'm kind of maybe got off a little track here, but anyone who's listening, I just, you know, I'll make you my consulting client and just ask you, what is your deeper why? Why are you here? Why did you get into the industry? Why are you staying? Yeah, I mean, I think, uh, again, I just, to, to kind of beat a word to death, like it's refreshing because 
um, a lot of people don't have their why. You know, for me, I was just to share since we're on that topic. I yeah. I was working at the NBA for the Golden State Warriors. Um, was doing fairly well. We had just won two championships. It was 2015. Personal family friends with Tommy Chong. He was launching a brand. Um, we may or may not have been involved in him going to jail, his son and I. So I opted to stay where I was at with the NBA. But it piqued my interest, and I was a director. And so I was selling sponsorships, and we were selling digital concourse. And so mm -hmm. I started Cannabis Club TV because I wanted to tell stories. I wanted to help people get connected to medicine. And then my mm -hmm. wife got diagnosed with a brain tumor in March 2016. Oh, wow. My dad um, was he finally had overdosed the a hundredth time on opiates. He was a veteran who was continually pumped full of uh, Oxycontin and Tommy Chong contracted or, or was diagnosed with rectal cancer all at the same time. And I've always been a proponent of the plan. I've always smoked weed. It's always been in and around my life. It's always played into the relationships. Some of my more solid ones over time and being in the surf industry, let's face it, it's fairly interwoven. But at that moment I was like, I need to leave the NBA. I, my wife, by the way, got successful surgery. Everything's great. It's been, it's been four years, but we helped her recover using cannabis. I watched Tommy yeah. medicate and, and help himself with a combination of Western medicine and cannabis. And I know for a fact that had my dad not been restricted as a veteran and been able to use cannabis versus pills, he may still be alive today. And so my why was really to go tell stories and to really help people and to really connect brands to consumers, to dispensaries, and that whole ecosphere, um, and really help these companies that were coming out emerge. And so, part of when we were talking offline, we were talking about Candescent. Um, you know, I myself would intuitively see the brands that were putting in the effort and had the why. I mean, when you ask that of people, have you had people just quit after they can't figure out why they're doing it? Like, they're like, I don't really have a why besides I wanted to make money. Like what, no. ha what is that? What happens there? No, you know what happens is, um, <laughs> well, so like I'm, I'm screwed. Actually, I don't have a why I, I got to quit later. No, because here's, here's the secret. Everyone has a why. Um, I'm actually a crisis counselor for a national crisis line. I've been volunteering doing that for over five years now. And Thank you for that. I've learned. Yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> it's, it's beautiful work. It's important. Um, hard, hard yeah. and beautiful, but yeah. it's, um, I've really learned how to do active listening and ask the right questions and dig in a little deeper. And so, you know, the example I gave of someone saying, well, I went to a trade show and I thought I could make a lot of money. You know, I, I basically through our workshop with them found that he, you know, there was actually addiction somewhere in there. Interesting. Um, and that's actually how they found cannabis. And then, you know, and the story can develop into whatever you want it to be, but that deeper why usually comes from maybe your first experience with cannabis, um, maybe a really monumental experience with cannabis. Um, there's, there's always something. I, I have not met a single person where I haven't been able to like really kind of talk them through and figure out why they're actually here. Because again, I'm going to repeat it. We could all be making more and working less somewhere else. There is a why you have a why everyone has a why. You know, it's so true. This industry is like, I've done a million things. I've, I've had, this is like probably my six or seven startup and man it has been the hardest thing I've ever had to do in my life. And yeah, I think, you know, part of that is because the space, it, we are so early. I mean, when I jumped in in 2015, 
um, if you will, and started and then really got going in 2016, it was still super early. We were still pre-64. California was still medicinal. Um, and there was so many unanswered questions. And mm-hmm. and in, even through it all, I, I often ask myself, even my wife, she's like, my God, you're working. I'm a smart guy, I'd like to think, and I don't like to work hard. I like to work smart. And every job I've ever worked at, I was able to accomplish my goals working half the time they expected me to do it, you know? And now I was working 16 hour days, but my passion never left. I was every morning I was fired up to get up and go help people and make connections and network and just continue to build. Um, you know, with this coronavirus happening, that kind of restricts me. I'm a guy that like before this, I was in 30 to 40 dispensaries a week from what I've seen online with you. And I also, just so you know, I lurked you a little bit. I have asthma as well. So I've been extremely nervous (laughs) about being in, in the open spaces because not being able to breathe is one of my scariest things. And, and so I've had to kind of, I went on lockdown like two weeks ago before they even Mm -hmm. asked us to lock down. I've been in my house and I've been really conscious of who comes around me and, and who I interact with. But with, with someone like yourself, you know, how are you, what I, from what I saw, I'm not going to say all the different things I saw because that's your life, but you're an active person. You have, um, had to stop being that way. How is that affecting your, your kind of, I don't want to say mental state, but how is that affecting your disposition of staying pumped up? Because I need people. It's one of the reasons I'm doing this podcast is so I can talk to people like you and pull off your energy. Because if I don't have that, like I'm pretty depressed. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I'm so lucky to have the experience I have with mental health and being a crisis counselor because I get to use it on myself as well. So, um, you know, there's, there's quite a few ways to, you can't get rid of anxiety, but you can manage it. So that's been helpful. Um, I've also, it it, kind of goes back to like online virtual things. Um, at nighttime, I've been logging into as many, you know, live DJ sets that I can. Diplo has a That's great so one. My cool. friend did one. Yeah, and, you know, there's just – and then at one point – I'll just say this. At one point, we were watching one, and it ended, and we were, like, felt very lonely all of a sudden. So we right. went searching for another one, and we couldn't find one. So we ended up watching a, a basically one that was recorded, and it just didn't feel the same. So. Huh. Right now, the thing that's really keeping me sane is finding any online connection I can. I even have a Zoom account, so I've been like, you know, setting up a group text between multiple different fr- different groups of friends and saying, "Hey, I'll host a call. Can we? I know you're all free. <laughs> can right. we all just jump on?" And there's so many, there's so many opportunities. Like, can you imagine if we were going through this in like 1995? Oh no. <laughs> No, but we wouldn't have known any different, you know, and now, now I think, uh, as much as I believe that social media and stuff that most humans aren't quite ready for it. I I had an interaction with someone the other day where I was like, no, it's okay. You know, social media is a lot like seeing somebody drunk. We see the real you, you know? And so social media is a tough one because not everybody's fully ready for it, but we've become such a social interactive society, like from 1995 to now. Um, I've always had friends around the world, but the contact with them was spotty. And like when we would meet, I'm surfer. So when we meet up in Mexico or Indonesia or wherever, we'd have our times. But in between there, it wasn't like you picked up the phone and called them. This wasn't convenient. Now you have Facebook live or you have Facebook chat. You have WhatsApp, you have all these different ways to communicate. And then all of a sudden, 
you know, here we here we ramped up for the last decade, social, 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 connect, 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 have 5,000 right. friends, have 10,000 friends, get followers, get likes to like zoom, nothing to like <laughs> being in your house, you know? And yeah. um, I really think that what you're doing with this uh, brand of our virtual summit is going to, it's a great time. Had you done this two weeks ago when we first kicked off, I was just talking with my wife that that first trip to the grocery store felt like Armageddon, you know? Oh, yeah. And now yeah. we go to the grocery store and it's like, meh, we have to wait for a few minutes. They sanitize the cart. You go in, you're with limited people. You actually get through the grocery store a lot quicker and then you're <laughs> out, you know? Is there a revised, like, as we come out of this coronavirus, is there a revised way that we're going to interact with each other, do you think? Like, in 60 days from now when we're finally able to kind of maybe start going back to normal. I don't know if it's going to be 60 days, might be 90. Um, how are we going to come out of this 2.0 social? Yeah. You know, I, I'm an optimist, so I'll just, I'll just say that before anyone kind of, you know, decides to jump on and argue with, with my thoughts. I'm, I'm an optimist. It's always going to come from that standpoint. Um, I think there's just going to be a different level of, gratitude for human connection. I mean, I, I do have asthma. And so I've been feeling a little more isolated because I'm, I'm, I'm more high risk than anybody else. And like you said, I mean, not being able to breathe is also not only one of my biggest fears, but I know what it feels. Oh my goodness. It is the, (laughs) it's the most, I mean, I literally have no less than three rescue inhalers around my house. Yeah. And whenever I go anywhere, my wife usually has one in her purse and I have one in my pocket. And it's funny because I may be fine for weeks, but then all of a sudden I have an episode and it is, it's very scary. So uh, go ahead. I'm just, I'm in agreement with you. Yeah. Well, and, and the thing that I've noticed about my asthma over the years is that when my immune system is compromised, my asthma gets worse. So it's, it, asthma for me is usually a symptom of something else going on. Um, and that includes stress. So I, I did, I sat here one day and I thought, I think this was on Saturday. It was so beautiful outside. I live in a studio apartment. I don't have outdoor space, unfortunately. And the park is two blocks away. And I thought, I, I, I wrote out a pros and cons list. I was like, well, I'm technically safer inside. I'm technically safer with my asthma inside. But am I? Because the stress, the anxiety, the isolation, all of those things in our minds actually do suppress our immune systems. And I decided it was going to be actually a lot safer for me to go to the park, breathe some fresh air. And I have to tell you when I was there that it's a large park and there was probably only 20 other people there, very spread out from each other. Everyone was very quiet too. But as we were walking to find our, our perfect spot away from everyone, everyone was smiling and waving and kind of just saying hi um, because we're all just focusing in a little more. And it does start because we have to, right? We're all being very vigilant about our surroundings and making sure people aren't coming too close. But what's happening is we're actually tuning into being a little more present. And it doesn't matter what gets you to your presence. Once you're more present, there's more gratitude. There's more human connection. There's more noticing of the things that you love in life, which is just like waving to another human being. So I do believe we're all going to take this with us into, you know, socializing 2.0. Um, and I don't know what it's going to look like, but I think there's just going to be just a little more integrity with 
how we spend our time and uh, what we're grateful for. I think uh, intent is what we're going to come out with. I mean, I think we've all gotten so used to having these multi-connective situations in real life. Let's face it, before the coronavirus hit, we all were overwhelmed without realizing we were overwhelmed. And now when we get back and we're able to re-engage on those things, I think we're going to come at it with a little more intent and a little bit more value, I hope, and a little bit of more appreciation and humility of how much we do need each other um, physically and how much value it brings to be able to have those communications and actually spend the time and invest to not just have interactions or have connectivity. You know, when you go into like a hall flowers event, you're literally on a race to talk to as many people as possible. I'm hoping that on the back end of this, I mean, I don't think trade shows are going to change much, but personally I want to have more, enriched conversations with people that I feel of value around. And I'm hoping that more people can kind of come out with that as well. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. I think, I think everyone will. That's awesome. Hey, I want to tell you, this has been an amazing interview. I want to give you a chance to um, kind of shout out your website and your social media handle and anybody else or anything else that you would like. And then when we, when I put this out later, I will be putting links out to all this stuff and I will be trying to, you know, help, bring awareness to what you're doing. It sounds like you got a really good handle on everything, but uh, just such a pleasure to talk to you. I, I appreciate you taking the time and uh, go ahead and give those shout outs and let people know where they can find you. Perfect. So the website for the summit is www.brandtobuyervirtualsummit.com. It's written out completely. There's no numbers that are letters and letters that are numbers. It's just brandtobuyervirtualsummit.com. Um, then if you're a buyer, buyers get to register for free. I really wanted to make this accessible. So, um, a really easy website for the buyer to go to is buyerinvite.com. That's it. Buyerinvite.com. It takes you right to the part of the website where you can register as a buyer. The Instagram handle is B2B Virtual Summit. And that's B number two b virtual summit dot uh not dot com just virtual summit <laughs> and um my handle is the dot consultant that's c-a-n-n like cannabis the dot consultant and um yeah i would love to chat with anyone i'm i'm really accessible um love to take calls i have on my consultant instagram i have a link where you can even schedule i think a 30 minute phone call with me it, that no gimmicks, nothing. You just get to chat with me, all things cannabis. Um, and then I will say, you know, if anyone knows a buyer and wants to bring them in and DM me, let me know. I'm happy to also just give you a free registration as well. Um, and I think, I think that's it. <laughs> no, that's amazing. And I, I'm, uh, again, you know, having had multiple lives, um, this for me is refreshing and I'm going to make sure that we push this through our social channels because I really do feel that, that you're providing a resource for people in a time where it's kind of needed, you know, and, and it, you kind of came out and you recognize that. And I think people should appreciate that. And, and again, thanks for taking the time to speak with me. And, uh, I hope that we can all stay safe and that on the back end of this, we come out stronger than we went into it. Absolutely. It was so nice chatting with you and I, I just can't wait for more connections in the industry. So if you're listening and you want to connect, please don't hesitate to reach out. I would, I would love to talk to you about your deeper why. <laughs> That's so awesome. Thank you for your time today. I really appreciate it. No problem. Bye.
That's a wrap. Thank you for listening to this edition of Cannabis Karaoke, another kick-ass podcast about all things cannabis. You can find us on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, and our website, CannabisKaraoke.tv. And if you or someone you know would like to be on the show, please hit the book your interview button on the right. Cannabis Karaoke, grab the mic and tell your story. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Cannabis Health Radio is a podcast about stories from people around the world who have used cannabis to deal with serious ailments, many of them life-threatening. My name is Ian Jessup. My co-host, Corey Yelland, is no stranger to the devastating emotional impact faced by so many people receiving a death sentence diagnosis from a doctor. Told she only had months to live with anal canal cancer, Corey researched and immediately began using cannabis oil to eliminate her cancer and has been cancer-free for more than a decade. She told herself that if it worked, she would spend the rest of her life helping others, which she does tirelessly every day. When you listen to our podcast, you'll hear many stories like Corey's, along with others who have used cannabis oil for many more ailments besides cancer, such as chronic pain, PTSD, MS, and many, many more. As one of our guests said, your podcast gave me the confidence to save my own life. We regularly get messages from listeners who have heard our podcast and use cannabis to solve a serious health issue of their own or that of a loved one. We hope you listen to these stories and be as inspired and moved as we are with each and every episode.